praise you, Lord. We bless your name today. Lord, we just thank you that we can come here again and sing your praise. We thank you today, Lord, for being able just to come and proclaim your goodness, to sing about your faithfulness, to talk and shout your praise over what you've done in our lives. Lord, we never ever want to forget all of the wonderful things that you have done for us. Oh God, we thank you for the thoughts that you have for us. David it said, in fact, that if he were to try and calculate all of the thoughts, all of the good, wonderful thoughts that you had for his life, they would outnumber the very particles of sand on the seashore. So far, so great is your love for us. And Lord, today again, we come into this place with a grateful heart, with a thankful heart, just knowing that you're here for us today and in every tomorrow that we face. For that, we thank you and praise your name. Come on, church. Let's give him thanks. Hallelujah. Fantastic. And you can be seated. Let's show our appreciation for our musos this morning. Wonderful. And like Faye said, we made it. We made it. Well done. We went through the snow. We had a bit of snow up in Pontypool. That's where we're from. So, um, you know, we managed to get here, which is fantastic. And we'll get home as well. Amen? Brilliant. Well, this morning, for the time that we have, I want us to just begin to think about who God is. Who God is. You know, it's a big question. It really is. Who is God? It's a huge question. And lots of times we grow up with lots of different ideas as to who God is. But I've said this before, and I'm sure I'll say it again. I'm certainly going to say it now. You know, God isn't just who we think he is. God is who he says he is. And sometimes there can be a really big difference. You know, we can have a lot of ideas as to who we think God is when they're very different from actually who God declares himself to be. So for the time that we have this morning, we're going to look at how God describes himself in relation to our lives because he's got so much to say as to who he is in relation to who we are. He loves us so much. And sometimes, you know, we can get lots of mixed messages about God. We can get all confused in our minds and we can go through so many different ideas as to who God is. We can think he's distant. Sometimes we can think that, you know, he's angry and God can get angry. He can get angry. But you know, the Bible actually says, and God wants us to know with assurance that he's slow to anger. He's so slow to anger. He is rich in mercy. His mercy and his goodness triumphs over his anger. That's one thing. That's one way in which he describes himself. And sometimes, you know, we can think that God is so swift to judge us, so swift 
to be vengeful and so swift to be angry. But no, God doesn't describe himself like that. And I think it's important, especially in the time in which we live, with all of the various messages around us that are trying to put God in a box and put God in a caricature that doesn't measure up to his character, I think it's important that we go to God's word to find the understanding that we need in order to know who God is. It's important. Isaiah chapter 40 tells us some amazing things about God. It says that he sits on the circle of the earth. That's pretty incredible. Talking about his might, talking about his power. He sits on the circle of the earth. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Isaiah tells us that he's the creator of the ends of the earth. He says this when thinking about God and talking about God's character. He says that God neither faints or slumbers. He neither faints or grows weary. We grow tired. We grow weak. We faint. But when thinking about God, Isaiah says he doesn't grow weary. He doesn't faint. He doesn't slumber. He actually says this, that God's understanding is completely unsearchable. Now, when you think about all of those things in in relation to God, you see that he's almighty, he's all-powerful. And God's happy to be described like that because it represents him correctly. He's happy to be described as the one that stretches out the heavens like a curtain. He's happy to be described as the creator of the ends of the earth. He's happy with that because it's true. However, he also wants us to know, verse 29, that he gives power to the weak. He's not just an almighty creator. He's not only one that, that you know, created our universe and set the stars and the planets in their place. That's great and wonderful and magnificent and, and unimaginable in many ways to us. But God also wants to be known as the one who gives power to the weak. Maybe you need to know that today. Maybe you don't need to know him necessarily as one who has put the planets in their place. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't need to know him as the one that's stretched out the heavens like a curtain. Maybe today you just need to know that he's the one that gives power to the weak. And to those, he says, and to those that have no might, he increases strength. You know, it's easy to get pressured by life and to land in a place where you feel weak. It's easy to get left alone and put aside and isolated by life where you feel that you have no more strength. But God wants you to know that he's not only just almighty creator, he is the one that comes along the, alongside the weak and gives them strength and power and increases them to a place where they're restored in their life. He really does. You know, on another occasion, describing the tenderness of God's character, 
describing the intimate nature of God. Isaiah says, do you know what? This all-powerful creator that's created everything that we can see and experience, this one that's almighty, that inhabits eternity, it's this one that, that doesn't break a bruised reed. It's this one, this all-powerful creator that's so tender and intimate that he won't stamp out a smoking flax. Maybe like a bruised reed, you've come into this place today. And you think, well, how would God handle my life? I'll tell you how he'll handle it. He won't break that bruised area of your life. He holds you tenderly. And in a world that, that portrays God as angry, in a world that portrays God like a masked terrorist that, that's on a, on, a, on a collision course with, with our, our world and our people, the Bible corrects it and says, no, no, God is caring. God is tender. God is loving. A bruised life, he won't break. He'll protect a, a smoldering flax, a life that's about to ebb out. He'll revive. This is the God. This is the God of the Bible. And very often, this is the God that, that many in our world are far from. They don't know. Faye said it this morning. The in the words of Jesus, he says, Your father knows when a sparrow falls to the ground, how much more worth than sparrows are you? Jesus just simply explaining and teaching and correcting people's views in relation to their heavenly Father shows them their, their wonderful worth before Him. There's so many things in the Bible that we could turn to this morning in order to correctly understand who God is. But we, for the time that we have, going to look at Psalm 103, and we're going to read five verses from verse 1 through to verse 5. And in this portion of Scripture, we're going to hear David describe wonderful attributes of God's nature in relation to each one of our lives. He says this, he starts out and says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities? Who heals all of your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Five things David mentions about God's character in relation to our lives. Firstly, he says this, he forgives all of our iniquities. He forgives all of our iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems our lives from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Five responses from God toward a needy life, toward a needy world, 
toward a desperate people that are crying out for help. Five responses, five acts of God that David picks up on in these words. Wonderful acts. And he's saying to the the people around him, listen, forget not all of the wonderful benefits, all of the tender mercies of God. Don't get lost in the pressures of life. Don't get lost in in the busyness of it all, that you forget the benefits that have been provided for you by the Lord. You know, sometimes we, and this may be a word for somebody this morning, a word of encouragement, sometimes we really do need to begin to remember what we've forgotten. We need to remember what we've forgotten. And we need to start forgetting what we're remembering. Sounds like a bit of a contradiction. But it's as if David here is picking up on the problems that people have and it's almost like they've forgotten what they need to remember. And he says, listen, forget not his benefits to you. Forget not all of the wonders and all of the blessings in relation to your life that he's given you. Forget not all of his benefits. Sometimes we need to Remember what we've forgotten and forget what we're remembering and rehearsing continually in our minds. Because it might be pulling you down, pulling you apart. Jesus had this conversation with his disciples lots of times. And I'm sure he's had this same conversation with us. He, He often said to his disciples, yet again I say to you. And he talked about being a forgetful hearer of the word. Jesus was constantly trying to to pour in good news to his disciples and all of the people around him so that he could equip them for what was ahead of their life. He could enable them for what they were facing in their lives, but continually they would forget. Within moments of hearing his word, they would forget what he'd said. They'd run into a crisis and then they'd be panicking. And Jesus would say to them, listen, come on, you've got to remember what I've spoken to you. You've got to to prioritize that word that I've planted in your heart so you can deal with the crisis, you can deal with the problems, you can deal with the issues. And David says, oh, in knowing all of these blessings, in, in, in thinking about all of these wonderful benefits, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. That word bless simply means bow down. Bow down. I bow down my soul before you, O God. In understanding what you've done for me, in in understanding the blessing that you've afforded me, I bow down reverently before you. Everything within me, I will not allow anything to rise up within me against you. All of it has to bow down in respect and in honor of what you have done. Let's, for a moment, and we'll see how far we go with this, let's pick up on the first, the first action that David notes about God in relation to his life and our life. He says, The Lord forgives all of your iniquities. The Lord forgives all of your sin. 
Let me ask you this. Does all mean all? It means all. All means all with God. Because sometimes the question can come up. Sometimes the accuser of your life can come alongside you. And he can begin to try and convince you that all does not mean all. But God wants you to know on the authority of what he has said, all means all. All sin. All iniquity. You mean, man, that big one, that really big one, you know, 15 years ago, two days ago? Yes. Yes. All means all. David here by using this word all, is showing us the far-reaching power of God's forgiveness in all of our lives. He's saying it can go right back into your past and cleanse it. He's saying it can come right into your present and change it. He's saying that not only does it go into your past and your present, but it goes way down the road into your future to secure your salvation. All, church, means all. And don't let the accuser don't let the accuser of, of your life make anything else other than that. Don't allow him to manipulate your thinking. Don't allow him to change your mind and your conviction and your confidence. In this word, all means all. He forgives all of your iniquities, of your sins. That's how far-reaching... The power of God's forgiveness is in our lives. It really is. All means all. Then secondly, he moves into the fact that God heals our diseases. He says, the Lord heals our diseases. And there's an order here. First forgiveness, then healing. First, God sorts out the root, and as, as he sorts out the root, all of the other symptoms that have diseased our lives suddenly become whole and healed and new and restored. He, he, he forgives all of our iniquities, and suddenly David finds not only is this a God that forgives all of our iniquities, suddenly he's finding that all of his diseases, all of the inner ailments, and all of the, the, the inner things that are breaking him apart and pulling him down are suddenly healed and resolved as well. And forgiveness is the path to healing. It really is. Forgiveness is God's inroad into your life for him to come in and just pour out everything of himself into you because he loves you so much. Talks about forgiveness, he talks about healing. And then he talks about redemption, how he comes into our lives and he just redeems our life from danger. He redeems our life from destruction from destruction, from, from elements within our lives that would try to bring us down. On another occasion in Psalm 23, you'll, you'll remember this, this part of the, the psalm. David says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When you're being led by God on a, on a righteous path, you can be assured that there's not going to be any destructive element on that path to bring you down. The path may be difficult. The path may be sometimes 
you know, a, a mystery. And it may bring you to a point of confusion. But as you hang on in there with God, there'll be no destructive element that can bring you harm. There really won't. Then he talks about after our lives being redeemed from destruction, he says that our lives are crowned, crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies. And the, the, when, when God crowns our life, it talks about the mind. It talks about the mental side, the area of our, our, our world that can be fraught with worry, fraught with anxiety, fraught with difficulty. No, he crowns your life with tender mercy. He crowns your mind with goodness. He crowns your, 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 your life, your very life with his kindness and his, his compassion. And then it says he satisfies our mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Faye spoke wonderfully last week about the words that we speak. And sometimes we struggle with the words that we speak because our heart is hurt. Our lives are broken. And it's just, you know, the, the, the replay of an old message, the, the replay of a, of, a, of a negative word cycle over and over again. Why? Because internally we're, we're broken, we're damaged, and we don't know what else to say. But suddenly God comes in. And he satisfies our mouth with a, with a new word from our lips. He satisfies our mouth with, with a new confession from our heart. And our youth is renewed. Can you see how David links the words of our mouth with the renewing of our youth, the renewing of our vigor? Sometimes we can grow old, and the reason, and I'm not talking about physically growing old, I'm just talking about mentally and internally just growing old before our time, and the very source of that, that age is from the wellspring of our heart coming through our mouth. But God satisfies our mouth with good things. You know, when I was looking at this, it's interesting. When you, there's almost like a parallel chapter to this verse or these verses in Psalm 103, a parallel chapter in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew chapter 9, look at it when you go home because it's quite incredible. Matthew chapter 9 is a day in Jesus' life, an incredible day. And Jesus, you know, gets up and he walks through the highways of, byways of life. And as ever, he was meeting people on his way. And he came across a man who was paralyzed, completely paralyzed. Laid out on a stretcher. And nobody thought that anybody could do anything with this particular man because he was just completely paralyzed. And Jesus, in the situation, seeing the man's condition, said this, Son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. 
Exactly what David said all those many, many years before. He healed, he, he forgives all of our iniquities. Jesus, right there in that situation where a man was lying paralyzed under another power that made his body immobile, Jesus cuts through it and says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Immediately, the religious people around Jesus in their hearts says, who but God can forgive sins? And in essence, they were saying, who but God can change this man's condition? So Jesus said, hey, listen, the Son of Man can't only just forgive sins. He can also heal the sick. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now get up off your bed and take it home. The man gets up suddenly. He's healed. A miracle takes place. And in one act, Jesus fulfills two of the very statements that David makes in Psalm 103. In that, he said, he forgives all of our sins and he heals all of our diseases. The man was instantaneously healed. And then Jesus walks out. He's on his way somewhere else. And suddenly, a woman reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. Now, this is in the same day, within a few hours. She'd had an issue of blood for 12 years. 12 years. She reaches out by faith. She touches his garment. And suddenly the flow of blood that, that had not been able to be cured by doctor after doctor after doctor suddenly comes to an end and she's made whole. He forgives our sins. He heals all of our diseases. But in the midst of her getting her healing. Jesus is on his way to a man's house called Jairus because his daughter is lying dead in her bed, 12 years of age. I mean, it's a chaotic scene around Jesus, but Jesus, like, unlike any other person, works in chaos. Jesus, like, unlike any other person, thrives amidst all of the suffering to bring healing and release and deliverance. Jesus, like, unlike any other person, is unafraid to face the issues and, and, and the ailments of life that bring people down. And he's on his way. And he walks into that room and he, he takes her by the hand and he says, arise. And suddenly she's restored to life. And suddenly the next line, the next description that David gives us of the Lord in Psalm 103 is suddenly fulfilled. He redeems my life from destruction. He, he redeemed the life of that little girl from, from the destroying power of death. Jesus fulfills all of these statements of David in five people's lives in, in, in but a few hours. Next, after leaving that, you know, he doesn't hang around Jesus. He doesn't hang around and say, yeah, you know, I just raised somebody from the dead, a little girl, come on, have a selfie with me. No, he's on the move. He's on the move, man. He's got to meet as many people as he can. He's got to fulfill the word of God and the mandate on his life. 
He's already forgiven a man of sin and raised him off his sickbed. He's already healed a woman with an issue of blood that had gone everywhere seeking release and found no answer anywhere, spent all she had, and suddenly the power of God goes into her body and the flow of that blood had been stopped. And then he goes into a young girl's bedroom, 12 years of age, lying dead on the bed, and he raises her to life. And her life is redeemed from destruction, just like David said. And now he's out of that situation. And two blind men come up to him. And they're pleading for mercy. And Jesus just turns around and says to them, Receive your sight. What's happening? He's crowning their life with loving kindness and tender mercy. They're crying out for mercy. Oh, Lord, please have mercy on us. You can see our condition. You can see the plight of our life. You can see that, you know, we need you to be forgiving and loving towards us. And suddenly Jesus turns around and says, your faith has made you whole. And he crowns their life with tender mercy. And their eyes are opened. And finally, on that day, finally on that day, two men come up to Jesus. Or Sorry, it's actually one man comes up to Jesus and he can't even speak. He can't even articulate what he needs. He's mute. He has no power of speech. He has no power to articulate his desire. And the mercy of God and the, 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 the wonder and the power of Jesus' person reaches out to him and casts the devil out of that man. And suddenly, his mouth is satisfied with good things. Suddenly, the man can speak. Suddenly, the man can exclaim the praises of God. Suddenly, the man is released from that captivity that he'd been under that was evil and wrong. And holding his life back. And in one day, Jesus fulfills everything that David spoke about and described God to be. Jesus did that. At the end of the chapter, you read it, Matthew chapter 9. It's incredible. After meeting those various people and doing what he did, it just says, it's almost like he just goes on a Holy Ghost rampage through every city, through every village, through every town. And he's healing and delivering and blessing and changing people wherever he finds them. This is who Jesus is. This is the description. This is part of the picture. It's certainly not a full description. I'm just giving you just a little keyhole introdu introduction today. As to who God is. He's far, far more than what I can ever describe. Far, far greater than, than I can ever proclaim. We're just looking through the keyhole this morning. Really? At who God is and what He does. What He does. He just went out and went on a Holy Ghost rampage. You know, Jesus, this is the God that we serve do you want to know who Jesus is? Maybe, maybe you've forgotten and you need to remember. He says, come to me. 
Come, come on. Come to me, all you are weary and who are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. That's not a distant God. That's not a God that's in conflict with you. That's not a God that's going to rub your nose in an event that you're ashamed of. That's an all-forgiving God. That's a loving God. That's an intimate God. That's a God that wants to be close. Think of this again. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Could I ever make that promise to you? Is there ever been a human being that has ever been able to make that promise and actually substantiate it? I mean, people can say a lot of things, but whether they do a lot of things is another thing. But God not only says it, he substantiates it. And that's the the wonder of the Christian life. You can be secure in the fact that no matter what event you face, No matter what place you're at today, do you know what? God will never leave you and God will never forsake you. When the lights go out and there's nobody there, do you know what? There is somebody there. His name is Jesus. He's wonderful. This is the God that, that, that the Bible tells us of. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Come unto me. I love you. I love you. Ask. Come on. Ask. He doesn't say, be quiet in my presence. Now, you know, sometimes we can grow up with images like that. We have to be, you know, reverent of God. He's, you know, we don't walk casually. You know what I'm talking about. You know, we don't treat God like a little, like a little, a little effigy that we put in our pocket. And, you know, we pull him out when we want to, and we put him away when we don't want to, when we don't want him. No. We have to be respectful and reverent of God. That's right. But that respect and that reverence is generated by his goodness, by his mercy, by his kindness. He says, ask, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified. Ask anything and I will do it. This is, the, this is, this is who God is. This is how he wants us to understand him. These are aspects of his nature that greatly relate to us and some of us today we may really need to remember what we've forgotten remember what we've forgotten i'm gonna ask the musicians to come we're gonna close in just a minute remember what we've forgotten do you know what maybe you need to remember this there's no condemnation for those that are in christ jesus none at all there's no condemnation. Maybe, maybe you need to remember today that because of God's love, because Jesus loves you so much, maybe you need to remember today that no charges can be brought against you anymore. No charges. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is Christ who died and God who justifies. Who can bring a charge against you? You're not even allowed, 
Listen, you're not even allowed to bring a charge against yourself. You're not even allowed to say, yeah, but God, you know, look, I've got a right to feel bad. I've got a right to feel guilty. I've got a right to, you know, have a bad day about my past because of what I did there. Do you know what? You're not allowed to even bring a charge against yourself. Because Jesus has died. Your life is new. Your life is holy before God. And that doesn't, listen, and I know you know this, that doesn't mean that we're careless with sin. You know, oh yeah, well, you know, I can do this because, hey, he forgives all my iniquities. You know, who can bring a charge against me? I can, I can just live the way that I want to be. No, David is, is saying, look, because he forgives me, man, because he loves me so much, I could just never, I could, I, I could never just, you know, live life without him and just live this carefree, decision-free life that doesn't respect him. No, in light of who he is, we reverence him and we thank him for his goodness. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, today, I thank you, Lord, that as we've looked at your word, we've seen aspects of who you are, like looking through a little keyhole at your greatness and your goodness. We thought about you as the wonderful creator of the universe in which we live. You stretch out the heavens like a curtain. You, you create to the ends of the earth. You put the planets in their orbit. You're the God who inhabits eternity. Your understanding is beyond knowing, but oh God, thank you for all of that. But Lord, we, we just want to thank you that you're not just an all-powerful creator that we revere, but you're the one that gives strength to the weak. You're the one that increases might. You're the one that's not far away from any one of us. You're the one that says, come to me. I want to help you. You're the one that gives peace, calms the storm. You're the one that's not distant but involved, never leaving, never forsaking. And Holy Spirit, I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice today. As we go into this next week, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be all kinds of voices, maybe from the TV or maybe from colleagues in work, situations and circumstances in life that arise. They're going to question us. They're going to challenge our confidence in your character. But Lord, I pray that your word would live richly, dwell richly within us, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ Jesus like Paul prayed. Holy Spirit, thank you for each and every person here today. Thank you for your presence in this place. Wash over Wash over your people. Yeah. Just as the musicians are playing, James and James are playing.
Just let the Holy Spirit just wash over you right now. He's the comforter. Only He can give you the comfort that you need. He's the counselor. Human counselors are good, but just imagine that God can be your counselor. In fact, it says that He's a wonderful counselor. The Prince of Peace, the bright morning star. So as the musicians play, just let the Holy Spirit, just be open. Open your heart right now. And whatever you need, whatever you need right now, that's right. Whatever you need right now, take from His presence. Just take it in the name of Jesus. Healing, deliverance, salvation, whatever you need, Holy Ghost, through this place right now, in Jesus' name. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, bless your people. Holy Spirit, your people, your people, your people. Heal every wound. Forgives all of our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.